Let's stand up and praise him. And brave the weather, braved all the storms and the rain. Let's glorify him. Oh, yeah. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I am loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Cause I've seen many searching for answers for and why, but I know we're all searching for answers for you provide because you know just what we need before we say your word, you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and I am loved by you it's who I am it's who I am it's who I am you are perfect in all of your ways you are perfect in all of your perfect in all of your ways to us you are perfect in all of your ways you are perfect in all of your ways you are perfect in all of your ways all to us you're a good good father it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I am loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. Love so undeniable, I can hardly speak peace so unexplainable I can I can hardly think as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still into love 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 your Good, good father, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I am loved by you, it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. 
to us You're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I am loved by you It's who I am It's who I am It's who I am You're a good, good father it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I am loved by you, it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. And I'm singing, oh. Seen your goodness on the mountain. I felt your love in the valley. And your grace still surrounds me. God, you've been good to me. Oh, you've been good to me. I've seen your goodness on the mountain. I felt your love within the valley, and your grace still surrounds me. God, you've been good to me. Oh, you've been good to me. And my soul sings. Oh, my soul sings. Oh, my soul sings. Oh, my soul sings with all my heart. And I love you, Lord. You're my first love. You're my reward, and through the years, you've been good to me, so good to me, so good to me. I have breath within my body and I have life inside my bones and I cannot help but praise you God you've been good to me oh you've been good to me cause I have breath within my body Cause I have life inside my bones And I cannot help but praise you God, you've been good to me Oh, you've been good to me 
To the hope for future, to the dreams to come. And when the seasons change, oh, I won't give up, cause you never fail. Though not once, oh, I'm dancing on, oh, the rising sun, to the hope for future to the dreams to come and when the seasons change oh i won't give up because you never failed me no not what oh i'm dancing oh oh the rising sun to the hope for future to the dreams to come and when the seasons change who oh, i won't give up because you never failed me no not once and my soul sings 
soul my soul sings oh, oh, oh. my soul sings yes it sings lord and my soul sings with all my heart i love you You're my first love. You're my reward. And through the years, you've been good to me. So So good to me, so good to me, so good to me, so good to me. Thank you, Father, for being so good, so good to me. have passed away your love has stayed the same and your constant grace remains the cornerstone things that we thought were dead are breathing in life Again, you caused your sun to shine on darkest nights. For all that you've done, we will pour out our love. This will be our anthem song. Jesus. We love, oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Jesus, we love you, and oh, how we love. You, you are the one our hearts adore. The hopeless have found their hope. The orphans now have a home. And all that was lost has found its place. 
a strong instead you took these rags and made us beautiful for all that you've done we will pour out our love this will be our anthem song oh jesus we love Oh, how we love you, and you are the one our hearts adore. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you, you are the one our hearts adore our affection our devotion poured out over freed of Jesus our affection our devotion poured out over freed of Jesus our affection our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus, our affection and our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus, our affection and our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our our hearts adore Jesus I love you and Jesus I love you you are the one my heart adores and Jesus I love you and oh, how I love you. You are the one. My heart adores. You are the one. My heart adores. Jesus, I love you. Oh, 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 o
one I adore I just want you Nothing else Nothing else Nothing else will do And I just want you Nothing else Nothing else Nothing else will do And I just want you Nothing else Nothing else, Jesus Nothing else will do Lord, I just want you Nothing else Oh, nothing else Nothing else will do I'm caught up in your presence And I just want to sit here At your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to leave Oh, I'm not here for blessings Oh, oh, Jesus, you don't owe me anything More than anything that you can do And I just want you I'm caught up in your presence And I just want to sit here at your feet Oh, I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to leave I'm not here for blessings Jesus, you don't owe me anything Or more than anything that you can do I just want you And I'm sorry When I've just gone through the motions I'm sorry When I just sang another song Take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you And I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda I'm sorry Lord When I forgot that you're enough Take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you Oh I'm caught up in your presence and I just want to sit here at your feet 
Oh, I'm caught up in this holy moment And I never want to leave Oh, I'm not here for blessings, Lord Jesus, you don't owe me anything more than anything that you can do I just want you oh I'm not here for blessings Jesus you don't owe me anything more than anything that you can do I just want you oh I just want you just want you Not just want you Not just want you I just want you Father forgive us so many times Lord we come before you with our laundry list of things we want And I know, Lord, there's a time and a place to ask for those things. But Lord, it's become so much, too much. It's every time we come to you, it's we want something. Give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that. And you're a good, good Father. And you give us those things. But Lord, forgive us for not coming before you. Say, I just want you. I want to spend time in your presence, Lord. Not asking for anything, Lord. I just want to sit here with you. Tell me what you want, Lord. How can I bless you, Lord? I want to bless you, my Lord. You've blessed us so much more than we deserve. Now how can I bless you, my Lord? And I just want you. just want you I give you all my worship and I give you all my praise you deserve it all Lord so I hold nothing back from you 
I give you all my worship. Oh, I give you all my praise. And I ask for nothing in return, Lord. Because all I want to do is sit here in your presence. I'm caught up in your presence And I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment Where I never want to leave Oh, I'm not here for blessings Jesus, you don't owe me anything Oh, more than anything that you can do I just want you I just want you Nothing else, oh, nothing else, nothing else will do. Oh, nothing else satisfies like you. Nothing else satisfies like you, Lord. Nothing else can fill the void. just want you nothing satisfies like you Lord nothing fills the void inside nothing satisfies like you so I just want you just want you I just want you I just want you I just want you oh, I'm not here for blessing Lord Jesus, you don't owe me anything More than anything that you can do I just want you I'm not here for blessings Oh Lord, I owe you everything More than anything that you can do I just want you I'm not here for blessings Father, I owe you everything More than everything that I've got, Lord 
you're still worth more if I give you everything that I've got Lord you're still worth more if I praise you from now to the day I die you're still worth more If I give you my everything And I hold nothing back from you If I give you my everything, Lord And I hold nothing back from you You're still worth more you're still worth more How dare I hold anything back Cause you're still worth more What do I have that's worth you, Lord? All I have is my everything so I lay it at your feet, Lord Cause you're still worth more I'm reminded of the The scriptures that tells us Where Jesus fed the 5,000 And then the next day A large crowd came out again And he told them You've come out because I fed you. He said, I'm not feeding you that today. You've got to eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. They all left. And then he looked at the disciples and he said, are you going to leave me too? And one of them says, Lord, where will we go for you have the words of life? And I don't know why that came to me as we were singing this song because we're saying, Lord, I'm not here for your blessings. You don't owe me anything. I'm just going to worship you because of who you are. That's really what those, those men were saying that day. Lord, where, where else would we go? You have the words of life. I mean, if you don't feed us, you don't do a miracle, you don't do anything. You have the words that give us life. And, and that's what we're really saying here, Lord. You know, so much of the church today has become a consumer mindset. What's in this for me? What can I get out of this for me? What God going to do for me? And, and we have to lift God up to where he is and remind the people of who he is and that we worship him because of who he is, not for what he can do. And so, Father, we just worship you tonight. We just praise you tonight. We thank you, Lord, we didn't come for blessings. That's not our motive in coming. We didn't come to gain anything but to be in your presence and to have fellowship together God that's enough you are a good father we sang that earlier you're a good father 
and you bless your children and you do good things for them and you do things that God we're not even worthy of but you do that and we, we praise you for that but God we didn't come with the motive of what can I get out of this tonight what am I going to I, I'm going because I want God to do this or I want this or I want this God we come because Lord you're here because the Bible says that where two or three are gathered in your name that there you are and where you are Lord God there is so much that is possible beyond anything that we can even begin to imagine or begin to fathom Lord and so tonight we just say Lord God have your way have your way in our lives have your way in, 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 in all of our lives God, let, let your Holy Spirit do what he wants to do here tonight to bring forth your purpose and plan for our lives. And we thank you for the privilege that we have of coming together and worshiping you and spending time in your presence. It's amazing, Lord, how we can come together in 20 or 30 minutes of time, Lord God, all the frustrations of the day, all the problems, all the issues, all the everything else, they just kind of seem to melt away when we come into your presence, Lord God, because we remember that you are Lord over all. And so, God, we thank you. We give everything to you. In fact, right now, if you came in here tonight with an issue or a problem or something, that you're dealing with I want you right now right where you're at would you just give it to him right now however you want to do that if you want to tell it to him if you want to lift your hand and give it to him or extend your arm and your hands out and say Lord I'm tired of dealing with this I'm I, I can't do deal with it I, I, God I'm giving it to you because I know that you know what to do I know that you know what what is best and so I just give that to you tonight. I just let it go right now. God, it's in your hands. I'm, I'm not going to lose another moment's sleep over it. I'm not going to worry. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to toss and turn over it. I'm not going to have my mind so distracted because of this. God, I give this to you right now. When you do that, the peace of God that passes all understanding takes its place. So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for that. Thank you for that relief right now. I just sense there's a relief right now for those who are willing to let God have it. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Would you take a moment and just turn and greet somebody tonight? Maybe you've not had a chance to say good evening to. Praise the Lord. Anybody have a testimony or a praise report or something? God did for you and blessed you in some way that you want to share that would be a blessing to somebody else. You know, the Bible says that when you come together, somebody has a song, a hymn, a testimony, a praise report, whatever, it's an opportunity to give God praise. Anybody want to share anything?
I'm not trying to frighten you. Um, this week, we've just been telling people all around the state, and I thought I'd share with you guys as well, that this past year, the kids in our state hit an all-time giving record to missions, the highest amount they've ever given to missions in one year to BGMC. And so that's all the children across our state, which is amazing. They gave over $215,000 to missions last year. That is amazing. Never been done before. So that means that's history, right? I mean, it goes in the record books. Yeah, that's awesome. That just means our children are catching a vision for missions. And as they grow older, they'll have that ingrained in them. And, and, and that's such a powerful thing. And we thank you for your giving to missions. And, uh, you know, last year we began making it a, a point to begin giving a larger amount to missions, even if it meant we didn't have it in the budget, we, we gave it because we wanted to, we know that's the heart of God. And so we took on missionaries and projects and things that we didn't have before. And uh, we're about to get all those numbers put together and let you know how that turned out for the year. But I'm telling you, it was exciting. It really was um, to see that. And I'm just believing for more. In fact, in February, I think it's the third Sunday in February. When's your pancake thing, Tracy? Yeah, that's the, the Sunday the 18th. That's why I remembered it. Uh, we'll actually have a friend of ours, uh, um, Bob Holloway, and his, uh, probably Lisa will be with him, his wife. Um, they're one of the missionaries we support. And I was with Bob when God called him to the mission field. And it was in a very unique way. I'll probably let him tell the story. Uh, but I was leading a mission team down to Venezuela. And there was a coup attempt to overthrow the government. And we were under house arrest for several days. Uh, hotel arrest, I should say. And when we finally were able to leave the hotel, we were trying to get, figure out a way to get to the airport and get back into the States because there was all kinds of stuff going on. Um, we were eating in an outside uh, uh, restaurant area. And we, we had been eating chips and soda for three days. And uh, so I was glad to be able to order some real food. And everybody that was on the trip, almost everybody on that trip, that was their first missions trip. And most of them were saying, I will never, ever, ever do a trip again. And I was like, what's the big deal, man? This is exciting, you know? And, and I remember one of the uh, youth pastors said, I don't understand why this happened. And Bob was sitting on my left side, and he had tears running down his face. He said, I know why. He said, because God needed to keep me here an extra several days to break my heart for this country. I'm going home and going to take my family and become missionaries. And they did. And uh, have been so faithful for so many years. They finally had to leave Venezuela. I forgot after how many years um, because of some things that were going on there. And they're now in Peru. And so they're going to be here sharing that story. And I'm so excited about that because I was there when God called them to missions. Uh, 
And then he's going to probably tell the story about how he got turned down by all the hierarchy telling him he wasn't qualified, he couldn't do it, and he was determined to fulfill the call that God had called him to. And he went through the backdoor channels, and God ended up having his way. So I'm excited about that. So you really don't want to miss that Sunday. I'm telling you, it's really going to be an awesome Sunday. And um, I'm thrilled that, to have him uh, coming to be with us. He's never been here to this church, so I'm excited about that. Anyway, uh, let's get in the Word tonight. And um, I, I'm, this won't be an exhaustive thing, but I do want to cover this a little bit. I've had a couple conversations with a few people in the last several days, uh, last couple of weeks, I guess I should say. And um, it's just, it's just, it keeps coming back to this thing. And so I've, I've simply titled it, What Does Prove All Things Mean? And you're probably wondering what, that, what I'm talking about. But the work of the Holy Spirit in the church is clearly spelled out by Jesus in John 16 and 13. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but he will speak whatever he hears, and he will tell you things that are to come. So Jesus clearly states that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. How many of you believe that the Holy Spirit can speak to you? About five of you. How many of you believe that the Holy Spirit can speak to you? Because Jesus says so. Jesus doesn't lie, does he? No. For he will not speak of his own. He will guide you in all truth. He, but he will speak what he hears. And he will tell who? You things that are to come. So he, he, Jesus clearly states that. And then uh, later, the Apostle Paul writes, uh, years later, he writes these words in 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning with verse 19. He says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Prove all things. Firmly hold on to that which is good. Abstain from all appearances of evil. And may the very God of peace sanctify you completely. I want to break this down just a little bit, and then we're going to give you five simple things. Um, what is prove all things? Um, it, 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 I want to show you grammatically what it says, because it says prove all things, firmly hold on to that which is good. But grammatically, this is the way it reads. It says, basically, I bid you all reverence, uh, I bid you all reverence, the utterances of your prophets, in other words, or prophecies, but take care. It inserts, in the original, it inserts the word but. In other words, so what we read, what we read earlier said, this, prove all things, firmly hold on to that which is good. But he's saying here that prove all things literally means pay reverence to the things that are said by those who, by, in, in, whether it's by the gifts of prophecy, tongues, interpretation, uh, vision, what, whatever, it doesn't matter. He said, but take care and put everything to the test. That's the way it, it really reads. And so to prove something, um, it, it brings the idea of um, uh, proving 
or testing something. I don't know if you've ever used or heard the word assayer before. Um, an assayer is a person who tests the nature and value of metal to its purity. For example, one of the things that I learned over the years of watching uh, on the Discovery Channel, the gold, um, I can't even think of the name of the t show now, but anyway, um, uh, the people that mine for gold, one of the things that I learned with they, is that th we think gold is gold. But I found that, I learned that, for example, gold in the Yukon and most areas is somewhere between 84 to 87% pure gold. But in other parts of the world, the gold is like 95 to 97%. That's why, in fact, when I was in India years ago, went to the market and I wanted to get my wife a little something, I said, I'm going to find an old gold ring. The gold almost looks fake because it is so gold, gold. It's, 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 how many of you know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, it is like, it's like an unreal color gold. And that's because, and you say, well, that's because it's X number of carats. All the other ones were the same. It had to do with the purity of the gold. And so that purity, a refiner uh, or an assayer is the one who will test the true nature and determine the value of something, the purity of it. And the interesting thing is that many times the, um, the value or the purity is tested by fire. I thought that was kind of interesting. And, um, uh, and, and there's something that's been going on lately, just in the last few weeks. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, that um, right after Christmas, I had to go to the UPS store for something. And there was a huge line, uh, two lines, and it was people returning goods that they had bought mostly online, most of them from the big A. You know what I'm talking about, okay? And they were just standing there with boxes and bags waiting to return all this stuff. And I've got one package and I'm thinking, it's already got a label. All I gotta do is drop it off and get a receipt that I actually gave it. I finally found an employee to do that for me. But one of the things that I've read several articles in the last couple of weeks that um, retailers are getting ripped off by customers because they're sending back boxes that are taped up, labeled, and everything else, and they're filling it with stuff that is the comparable weight of the product that was shipped to them. And so, the, yeah, and so they're getting this stuff, and then when they open it up, I saw one of them, when they opened it up, they had filled it with bricks. And yeah, and, and, and when they opened it up, all the bricks came pouring out, and I saw another one was filled with like wooden blocks, and, 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 and they said that they're getting, they're taking a beating, and because of that, they're probably gonna change their return policies and everything else, you know, so it's always the few that mess it up for everybody else. But my point in that is that, that they have no way of assessing what's in the box, except that the customer says, yes, I bought this and I'm returning it. The only way they could check it would be to take it out and open it and see if that's what it is. For example, also, um, I've seen um, actual 
uh, crimes that have been committed where people say they had gold bars or, or silver or whatever, but they were gold-plated or uh, like regular bricks that were gold-plated, and they, the only way they could tell was to weigh it because the weight of gold, even though the brick may be the exact same size, the weight of gold is so much more dense than, than a brick weight or a lead weight or something like that. So it's the same thing that's here. He's talking about, he says, he says pay reverence to the, the utterances or the words or the things that are spoken that are spiritual, but you need to put to the test. You need to prove all things. And that warning was needed because a little bit later, Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians, he says, don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. And believe me, that, that right there is, is beneficial, is, is, can be applied today because there is so much nonsense on the internet of people who have figured out formulas who I listened to a guy the other day for, the other day for a few minutes because somebody sent it to me and I just wrote back to him I said this he's a nut job he's crazy he doesn't understand the scriptures and they're taking just certain elements that are happening in the news and they're pigeonholing pegging it in and trying to make it fulfill a prophecy I said but it excludes the the other prophecies and the other things that are going on and um, there's so many who are, I heard a guy the other day go, we are, in, in a month and a half, we're going to see um, the, the Antichrist is going to be revealed, which means we're already in the tribulation period, which is impossible because they're ignoring so many other things. But anyway, but Paul writes to those believers in that day, he says, don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. The day of the Lord is a phrase concerning the tribulation period. Okay, and he goes on and says, don't believe them. And even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us, don't be fooled by what they say. And uh, that verse we read a minute ago, it says, prove all things. The, the, the phrase all things applies, you know, everything. We should, in other words, we should test everything, right? Okay. But in that case, it, it clearly has a reference to the manifestation of the spirit, the things that are spiritual, He's saying concerning all those things, you need to prove them. You need to test them. You need to see what they are. He says, don't despise the workings of the Spirit. Don't, um, uh, don't discard um, the uh, good things that are of the Spirit. He says, discern the good, hold on to those things. And then at the end, We'll see at the end of this, he prays a, a message, he prays a prayer for the believers for God's work to be completed in them. And verse 21 goes on and says, Prove all things, firmly hold on to that which is good. The word good there that is used, we think everything that's good. Well, there's a lot of things that are good, but in this case, the word is not a vague sense of good like the good things in the world, the good things in, you know, the moral good things. that the, the word good here is used in the sense of genuine. In other words, there's going to be a lot of 
ungenuine or ingenuine things, false things. He says, so you need to reverence the, the good things and, and hold on to that, but test everything. And when you test it, the things that are genuine firmly hold fast to that and then throw away the rest of it. That's basically what he's telling us. So if the Holy Spirit does speak to us, Jesus said that, and Paul says that the Holy Spirit is going to show us things and he uses the gifts and other ways of speaking to God's people, I want to give you five simple things, and it's not exhaustive, but just real quick, five simple things to prove spiritual manifestations. And when I say manifestations, that sounds like kind of spooky, but it's not. Okay, in other words, um, if somebody... Uh, has a word of prophecy the Bible speaks of, or tongues with interpretation is equal to prophecy, word of knowledge, word of uh, wisdom. Um, uh, uh, someone speaks, comes to you and says, I feel like the Lord has given me a word for you or whatever. You know, um, there's different ways that um, he can do that. And he, you could be reading your Bible and all of a sudden think, oh, look what God's telling me. Um, God speaks that way too. Um, so when I say spiritual manifestations, it could be everything from something you read in the Bible to a word somebody speaks to you or a prophecy or somebody says, I just had a vision or whatever. You know, there's, there's certain basic element things we can do to test them, okay? And the first one is you have to test the origin, Test the origin of it. And, and 1 John 4 and verse uh, uh, 1 says, Beloved, so he's writing to believers because he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Okay? So he's saying... He's telling them this is later in John's life. It's near the, the, towards the end of his life. And he's writing to the church and he says, do not believe every spirit. In other words, there are, three, there are three basic things in the spiritual realm that we need to understand. There's God's, the spirit of God. There is Satan and his spirit, demons. And there's the human spirit. And so he says, you need to have discerning of those things. So he says, do not believe every spirit, but test them to see whether they are of God. Now, it would be great if we had some kind of spiritual testing meter, you know, where you could just go up and touch somebody and it would go true, false, whatever, you know. But it doesn't really work that way. And he says, why, do we, why is this important? And, and John's writing this near the end of the first century, and he's still saying, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Well, since then, there are even more, and there's even more today. Um, I want to show you something that's interesting, to, at least to me, and that is that um, the, the Hebrew word that is used for, for true, like a true prophecy is the word nava, N-A-B-A, and it means to flow to gush forth, or to bubble up, okay? Now, I want you to think about that. The, the, in other words, if something's flowing, it's not being forced, 
It's just flowing. It's just going, right? Um, if it bubbles up, it's just, it's not because you're pumping it up or anything like that. It's just, it, it's just bubbling up, okay? That is the word that is used concerning true prophecy. Uh, the word that is used concerning false prophecy, is that it? Which means, uh, well, that's the wrong definition I have up there. I'm sorry. It means cooked or to boil up. Excuse me for that mistake. It means to cooked up or boiled up. Now, there's a difference between bubbling up and cooking something up or uh, boiling something up. There's a force behind it that's causing it to rise. And so the thing is that when true words of the Lord come to his people, it Jesus said it will flow from your innermost being. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. If it's a true word, it doesn't need to be cooked up. And you can discern, and as you grow, you can discern when people are making something, forcing something, cooking something up, or, or, or they've got an agenda behind it, and whether it's pure and it's flowing forth, okay? The second way we can test is compare it to biblical principles. We compare it to biblical principles. And, you know, we've said it a thousand times, and we'll say it another 10,000 times if Jesus doesn't come. But basically, God will never say something to you personally in any manner, any format, period, which is contrary to his universal revelation that is expressed in the scriptures. In other words, God is never going to say anything that is contrary to this written word. Never. It doesn't matter who it is that says it to you. You know, um, you could say, well, 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 this person who's a very prophetic, I, I don't care. If they said something to you and, and said to do this, but it's contrary to this, it's not God. And, and if you'll remember, if you don't know where it's at, go find it. I'm not going to even tell you. But it just came to mind the fact that, that God gave a word to a prophet and said, go to a certain place, do not stop along the way, do not do anything, but go and deliver this word. And along the way, a, a man of God came and said, the Lord told me to tell you, you were to come to my house. And he denied it, said, no, 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 I need, no, he said, no, the Lord told me to stop you and bring you to my house, it's good, it's fine. This was a person that was respected. The young prophet knew who he was and figured, well, that must be God. And so he, he stops and he goes. And when he gets there, the whole prophet rebukes him and says, because of that, God has brought his punishment against you. And, and that's clear as a bell right there that the man had orders from the Lord what to do. And yet a, another prophet who was well known convinced him to sway from what he was supposed to do. Um, and that's why I say that uh, God will never, never give you a word in any form or manner, whether you were reading something and, re and something hits you a certain way, or somebody comes up and says, I feel like the Lord wants me to say something to you, or you dream something and you think God is saying something. Um, it, look, if the Bible says it's sin, it's sin. And no matter what, you're not going to change that. Um, and I'm just going to mention this. Um, I, I'm not going to make a big thing out of this, but 
There are several books that have been around for a long time. A lot of them have been around for a long time. And I see on social media, a lot of Christians post like the devotion of the day out of that book or another book or whatever. And they've been touted by the authors that what they wrote was exactly from the Lord or from the Spirit of God as it was revealed to them. They had, they, their story is that they've been journaling for a long time, Lord giving them words. To, and so finally the Spirit told them that they should write these things down and publish them and, and go out to people and whatever. And I know a lot of Christians use them for their personal devotion. But I, I just want to tell you there's a danger there and in many ways, but one of the things is that in every single one of those books, that type of book that I've examined, there are things in there that are contrary to the written scripture and the teachings of God. And some of them are so subtle and so close that if you're not aware of the biblical principles, then you'll... you'll you'll swallow it hook, line, and sinker. And, that's, and, and uh, in fact, some of them, most people don't even know that some of them have gone through revisions over the years because people found things and reported them that they were contrary to the Bible, contrary to Scripture, contrary to this. And the authors and the publishers did a revision of those, and I have copies of some of them, and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. If God gave you those words and that was God's word, why would God have to rewrite his word? Because he made a mistake. Come on. And so that's why it's really important that you understand and I understand biblical principles so that we can discern whether those words or the, the leading or the inkling that we have is of the Lord. The third thing is... We, we need to compare it to the names and the character of God as he is revealed in the Bible, okay? Anything God says to you or me is going to be in harmony with his nature, who he is. It, it's not going to be contrary to who he is. I mean, I've had people tell me something about someone and go, I can't believe that because I know that person. I've known them for a good portion of my life, and that's not them. They're not like that. And later it would be find out that the person had was repeating something that somebody else had said, who somebody else had said, and you know that game, right? By the time it goes around the room, it doesn't resemble anything like it used to. And, and then, but everybody else is involved in it. Um, when we know what the Bible says about him, about God, then it will help us in discerning words from God. Because if we know his nature, we know his character, then we'll know whether these words are from the Lord. So any words, any prophecies, any actions must line up with the character of God as it is described in the Bible as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? The fourth thing, I told you this wasn't going to be long, and uh, say amen. <laughs> but uh, the fourth thing is, it says test the fruit. Test it. Prove that it is good. Test it. 
And I put in there in parentheses, be fruit inspectors. Now, see, people will say, oh, but the Bible says we're not to judge. That's not biblical. The Bible does not say that. There, there, we are to judge certain things, but it says be careful how you judge for the manner in which you judge or the degree in which you judge, you too shall be held accountable and judged. Okay? But the Bible clearly states inspect the fruit. Inspect the fruit. Years ago, um, Sunkist um, brand fruits they used to have a commercial that they run, and every sun-kissed orange had a sticker on it that said, and it had an inspection number on it, and it was approved by, every single one was inspected by a fruit inspector, and it didn't get the seal until it had it. And I thought, what a boring job picking through mounds of oranges going, this one qualifies, this one doesn't, this one qualifies, this one doesn't, this one, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm like, I, I would go stir crazy. I don't know about you, uh, but I would. Uh, that's just not me. But the Bible says, test the fruit. Matthew 7, beginning with verse 15 through 20, look what it says. He says, watch out for false prophets. Hmm. Where did we hear that? Oh, John wrote about that near the end of his life because many false prophets have gone out. So here's Jesus in Matthew's gospel. Uh, he's going, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Wow. He says, by their fruit. You're going to recognize. What are you going to recognize? That they're wolves in sheep's clothing. That's what he's saying. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears, bear, cannot bear good fruit. And uh, it says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. He's obviously not talking about fruit trees. He's talking about those false prophets, those who have a word for you, or they have a, a, a they say, God gave me a dream about you, or they gave, and I'm not saying those things can't happen. But here's the thing that I've learned, and I'm just going to throw this out on the side, that in almost every case that in my own personal life, when, it, when someone spoke to me in that way, it was a confirmation of something that God had already been speaking to me about. When it, it, when it came out of the blue and it just like ambushed me and I didn't have a clue, I didn't lose a day's sleep. I did in the beginning in my early walk with the Lord because I was trying to figure it out. Didn't matter. And then I heard John Osteen one time say, he said, you know, sometimes God shows me something and I don't understand it. He said, I used to pray, pray, pray and walk the floors trying to figure out what that meant and everything. He said, finally one day, he said, I figured out. He said, I just went and he said, I went to my closet and he said, I got a, an imaginary shoebox. He talked about having shoes and shoe boxes in his closet. He said, I went and got me an imaginary shoe box and put that thing in that shoe box. 
And then I'd go to my imaginary spiritual closet and I'd just put it up on the closet shelf and say, God, when it's time for me to understand it, you'll let me know. And he said, that's when he, he says, because sometimes God shows you something that you don't understand at that time. Has anybody ever experienced that? And you're going, how does that fit? Well, see, you're trying to fit the pieces into where you are at that moment. God's, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. So sometimes he's showing you something down the road, but you're trying to make it fit into the now when it's not meant for the now. And then John said that one time, he said, all of a sudden something would happen. And he'd go, hey, seemed like I remember something about that. And he said, I'd go to that closet, pull down that that, that shoebox and open it up. Oh, that's what you were talking about, God. And I said, boy, you know, that just makes a, a ton of sense. And so there's, there's sometimes the Lord will show me stuff, and I'm like, I don't understand that. And I remember one several years ago that just, I understood 90% of it, and the last part I didn't understand it. It frustrated me to no end. Until finally I said, God, I forgot. Excuse me. Let me just put this in my little shoebox. I said, God, it's in your hands. When you want me to understand it, you'll tell me. And I just went back to doing what I needed to do on a daily basis. And several months went by. And then one day I was driving to New Orleans, and I was crossing the Atchafalaya Basin Bridge. And I was going to cross the bridge. Right? You know what I'm talking about. And all, I wasn't thinking about anything per, per se of just driving, whatever. And I didn't have anything playing on the radio, whatever. And then all of a sudden, it's like God just unzipped my head, dropped in the understanding, and then zipped it back up. And I went, oh, Jesus. I started crying. I, I got my phone out, and I called my wife. And, I was, and then I called a, an intercessor who had been a praying with me about it. I said, now I understand. I don't know why he's showing me now, but now I understand. And, and I'm just telling you that um, he says here that, that by their fruit, you will recognize them. So here, here's a couple of questions to ask yourself. Ask yourself, what effect does what you are hearing have on your soul and spirit? Is it good? Is it negative? Is it disturbing? Is it, you know, what? How, how is it impacting you, okay? Um, words from the Lord will quicken your faith. They will increase your love and peace and joy. They will stimulate a sense of humility within you, especially if you don't understand it. If God is really, you sense, as you say, I sense the presence of God in this, but I don't understand it. Well, that humbles you. You come to a place of humbling yourself, saying, God, I want to come to a place where I can understand what you're trying to tell me. And as you become more aware of who God is and who you are, but words that are not of God and not of the Spirit, they will bring fear, they will bring doubt, they'll bring confusion, they'll bring anxiety. Oh, my goodness, if I could just get it across to people, look... If somebody gives you a word or gives this or says something to you and it just blows you off the map sideways and you're all confused and now you're in turmoil and whatever, hello, back away from it. Just have nothing to do with it. And, and, and um, 
Because that's just not the way God works. God is a, the peace of God is supposed to rule or govern our hearts. And, and if, it, if that takes away your peace and, and sends you into a tailspin, that's not God. And, and uh, you just need to look at the person and say, thank you very much, and make a note to yourself concerning that person. I'm not saying you judge that person, but the Bible says, know those who labor among you. Mark those who cause dissension. And, and uh, we let people go around because they call themselves a prophet or prophetess or apostle or they, they love titles. I, I'm always leery of people who give themselves titles. And uh, I, I told this before one time years ago down in New Iberia, there was a church and there was a guy who was the pastor and he had 28 things on, behind his name. The, the most uh, righteous, uh, holy, apostolic, um, I mean, he had, he, it was like he went through the Bible and found everything, and then at the end he had his name. And I'm thinking, my goodness, there's a warning sign right there, run. You know, this guy's in the titles. Um, uh, if it throws you into confusion, if it throws you into anxiety, if, or here's one, if it strokes your ego, and what do I mean by that? They'll say, the Lord gave me a word for you, and it's a very unique word because you're the only one this is for, and it can only, it's unique, and, and it can only be applied to you. That's, that's a red flag. Because what does that do? Immediately goes to pride, and immediately go, oh, it's just for me. I'm just the only one. Only God can speak to me this word. Um, that needs to be rebuked and, and rejected as lies of the enemy, okay? And then the last thing I put, share with your spiritual counselors or mentors. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. We are members of one body. And, and um, this is important. The abuse of this goes two ways. And I don't want to get real deep on this. But basically, it's those who are so prideful they will not seek out counsel. And then you have those who won't even seek God, and they'll run to everybody to get counsel. And listen, if, if, if you're your own counselor, you're probably in trouble. And if you're seeking counsel or a word from 15 other people, you're in trouble because you're going to get 15 different answers. And that's just going to bring more confusion. Ecclesiastes 4 and 12 says, Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. The New Living Translation puts it this way, and I really like this. I want you to see the picture of this. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. 
Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Can you picture that? You're standing by yourself, and you're, 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 you know, you're, the enemy's surrounding you. And that's what he does. He finds people on the fringe that are out, that are loners, they're not part, and then he starts picking them off. He starts coming after them. And, but all of a sudden you see this, and it says, but two can stand back to back. I got your back. I got your back. I'm tired. Everything this way is mine. Everything that way is yours. And then if you see it, if it's three, you just put three in that. It's just even more coverage, more power. And, um, and, and we need to understand that God's intention has always been for us to grow together. He, he, he wants his church to grow together. Um, he's not wanting an immature um, um, nursery full of babies. He's wanting us to grow up. The problem is the culture that's been bred for so long in the last 25, 30 years in the American church has, has filled churches filled with spiritual babies. I know I had a lady one time tell me, he says, says uh, well, I've, I've been, I'm 30 years old in the Lord. Well, this was a lady who just had the same problem constantly over and over and over and over and over and over again. And finally, I just told her privately, I said, I said, I know you pride yourself on being a 30-year-old Christian, but you're really a one-year-old Christian, and you've been repeating it for 30 years because you've never grown. She didn't like it, but sometimes the truth hurts. And, it, and it's for the better of the person that they understand that so that they can grow. Nothing, and the reason counselors or mentors and, uh, um, are important, and what I mean by that, I'm not talking about necessarily a licensed counselor. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm talking about is having spiritually mature people that are a part of your life um, that have a track record of being spiritually mature. They're not perfect by any means. They've not arrived, but they've been around the block a number of times. You know, that old saying, this is not my first rodeo. You know, I, I've, I've been down this road, seen this, seen this story too many times. Let me tell you what I've learned through experience and through what God's word says. Um, but nothing will increase your faith more uh, in your ability to hear God's voice than having that confirmed by two or three people who are spiritually mature and that you know them and they know you. And there's a difference there because if a person came to me and I know nothing about them, I'm going to be very cautious about what I'm going to say. I could say, this is what the Bible says. I don't know your situation. I don't know you. But I'm talking about someone who knows you. Okay, you've opened up to them, whatever. You can share it with your spouse. You can share it with your parents, your friends, your elders, uh, a small group. You can even share it with your grown adult children. Um, they don't need to be super spiritual. They don't need to be like perfect because there's no perfect, okay? 
Um, but they do have to love you, and they do need to have a solid biblical orientation. Why? Because if they don't love you, they're not going to be, your interest is not their interest. And they'll just tell you anything just to get you, get you away from them, you know. And that's not right. Um, and here's the other thing. This is, this is the big biggie, and then I'm going to close it down. And whoever this person is or persons are that you have allowed in your life that you are accountable to or willing to go to and you've made yourself open to them and they're solid biblically um, is that they themselves must be willing and easily receive counsel. Okay? And I'm just going to put this up on the screen. Avoid anyone. And I should have underlined it, capitalized it. Anyone who insists that because of their standing in the church or with God, that they no longer need to listen to other people. That is a major red flag. Not a flag, that's a red light. I mean, that's like, whoa, stop the car, turn it around, run in the opposite direction. And I've met people like that. They go, I don't need counsel from anybody. That we never, ever get to that place where we can't, if you get to the place where you can't receive and you can't be taught and you can't be corrected by those who are spiritually mature, then, then you're a menace to the body of Christ. You really are. Instead, what I would say is prayerfully find two or three people and then, con- and, and then speak to them honestly, openly, and let them confirm whether or not they believe you're hearing from the Lord. I had an experience many years ago, a uh, very powerful experience that I didn't understand. I went to my... Uh, presbyter, my pastor who was over the churches in my area and poured out my heart to him and he said, I believe this is God. And I said, what do I do with it? He said, I don't know. So I went to the superintendent of our state and told him. He's over all the pastors of all the churches in the state. And I poured out my heart and I said, what do you think? And he said, I believe this is God. And I said, what do I do about it? He said, I don't know. And I said, where do I go? And so he said, I'm going to send this to a certain pastor who has connections with David Wilkerson, who when he was alive, if you don't know who David Wilkerson is, I'm sorry, you should. Um, he, was a, he, he said he wasn't a prophet of the Lord, but he definitely had a prophetic voice. And they sent it to him, and a few months later, I get a response that they said, he said this was of the Lord. And I said, and what should I do? And he said, he didn't know. And I'm like, okay. So I had the confirmation that I was hearing the Lord. The problem was I didn't know what to do with it. And I wrestled with that and wrestled with that and wrestled with that. And until finally, at a prayer meeting, 
I really got so bummed out, I couldn't even pray. And you said, well, that's not God. No, it wasn't. I was dealing with something that the Lord was showing me something uh, down the road, but I was trying to fit it into my little situation where I was, and it just didn't work. And the Lord finally, during a prayer meeting, spoke to me through the word, a written word, and gave me understanding and showed me this was something for the future and when it comes to pass. He said, you will tell people about this and then in years from now, when they see it, they'll know that this was of God. I had to learn that way. So I went to people and they said it was the Lord, but they couldn't tell me what it meant. Again, people come to me and I say, I'll give you counsel what the word of God says. And I say, I believe that may be of the Lord, but I can't give you direction. I can... I might give you a suggestion, but you can't move on what I tell you. You have to move on what God shows you. And if you're not ready, best thing to do is sit still and wait for God to teach you and show you and open the door. Okay? Let me, let me end it with this. Go back to uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 and the first part of verse 23. That's why it says 23a. It's just the first part. It says, and then Paul says, and may the God of peace sanctify you completely. So he's talked about, he said, he's talking about, he says, uh, don't quench the spirit. Um, uh, uh, don't, don't despise prophecies. Um, he, he, uh, hold, uh, test the things, everything that's out there. Uh, hold fast to that which is good. Um, and then he goes, and may the very God of peace sanctify you completely. Now, who, who knows what the word sanctify means? It's on the screen up there, set apart, okay? What's interesting is that the word sanctify in this verse means different. When you say, well, that's what sanctify means, set apart, we're different. But it, it, it even goes on even further, and that the word sanctify here means different, distinct, or distinguished from the world. So Paul is praying May the very God of peace make you different completely. And again, I talked about sanctification, and we're doing a little series on that on Sunday. I said, not different like weird, you know, not crazy or anything like that. I've seen that before. It's not fun. Um, that's not what God's looking for. God's not looking for people who want to go act and act, act stupid. Um, but he, he's wanting, he's saying, may the God of peace make you different or distinguished or distinct from the world. That's cool. That's a great prayer. In fact, I, I, when, I, when, when I got to digging down into that word, I said, never in my wildest dreams did I think that it had that meaning. Because to me, sanctify just meant set apart. Okay, I'm set apart. I'm over here. Everybody else is over there. But that's not what God is saying. He's saying, I want, he said, may the God of peace make you different, distinct, or distinguished from the rest of the world, and may he do it completely. That is an awesome, awesome prayer right there. And I'm like, when I read that and understood that, I said, amen, Paul. Amen. Make us different. Make us distinct. Make us distinguished from the rest of the world. 
because that's what the church is supposed to be. We're the, supposed to be the light on the hill, the salt of the earth, right? Amen? Any comments or thoughts or questions or anything about any of this? Don't be afraid. Everybody's just looking at me like. Any? Yes. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. That's right. That's good. Yeah. It is, it's just, it is the basics. It is the fundamental things. That, but what happens so much in our world, the church world today, you have those over here who go, I've seen so much crazy stuff and wacko stuff that we're not going to have any of that. And they just shut off God from moving. And then you have those over here that go, we don't want anything to do with those people. They're, they're, they're like, they don't want to even have anything to do with God. And we're, we're like, whatever God wants to do, but they don't read the scripture that says, let everything be done decent and in order. So their idea of God moving is chaos. And you can actually go on YouTube and see some church services that are absolute pandemonium, crazy and there's no order whatsoever. And that's not glorifying to God either. And so, um, you know, it's a balance. That's what God's work is in our lives. It's balance. And I want you to be open to the working and the moving of the Spirit of God. But I want you to understand how he works and how he speaks and what the safeguards are, you know. And when I say safeguards, the picture that comes to mind almost is, um, I remember the first time we did a fundraiser with some little children, and we went to the bowling alley, and they put those things up in the gutter so a ball couldn't go in the gutter, you know. And it was funny because the kids had gone around and gotten sponsors that would pay X amount of money for every pin they knocked down. And so we had kids that were like kindergarten and first grade, 
and they scored like 140, 160, and people had put down like a quarter a pin or 50 cents a pin, and they didn't know how they could do it. And I see because they just throwing the ball down, and the ball's just going back and forth like this. And sometimes they were getting strikes and spares and whatever because the the safeguards were up, you know, they, and they were having a blast, and I was having a blast watching it. And then I was thinking, how are they going to explain this to the people? You owe me $85, you know, like that. <laughs> and, and so, you know, but God has given us safeguards. And he wants us to be wise, but he wants us to grow so that we don't need the bumper rail so much that we have his word that guides us and directs us in the things of the Lord. Amen. Anybody need prayer tonight? You need prayer? Physical prayer? Okay. Um, why don't some of you who know God will touch somebody. Come over and lay hands on Lisa. Begin to pray. And I want you to pray for, uh, my mind just went, Chris um, Touchet. Um, uh, Kurt Touchet's son is in the hospital. Um, he has one kidney, and it, he's in kidney failure right now. And um, they are, we're putting a port in this afternoon to start him on dialysis. He's in very, very serious condition. And so let's pray for Chris. And, uh, the, you know, uh, that's all I can say. That's all I can say right now. Yeah, but he needs our prayers. So let's pray for Lisa and then pray for Chris also. Thank you, Father. Lord God, we just thank you that your word says that we can come together in your name and that there you are in the midst. And you said, God, that we were your representatives here on earth and that we were to speak the word, speak the word. That God, after the word, you would do marvelous works and confirm the word with signs following. So right now, God, we come against all sickness and disease and inflammation and infirmity in the name of Jesus. And we curse all sickness and disease in their bodies right now, all inflammation, all pain. Let it be gone right now in the name of Jesus and we release the healing power of God. Father, I pray in, Kurt, in, in um, Chris's room right now that God that the healing power would just flow into his body right now. Father, jumpstart that kidney. Get it going right now, Lord God. And, and let his body begin to respond. We thank you for the medical technicians and the doctors, but God, you are the ultimate physician and that God, you do things for a purpose and you allow things for a purpose. And I believe a testimony and a family and, and a man's heart and, and so much God that you're, you're involved, you're a multitasker in what you are doing. And so we just pray and believe right now for total healing and restoration of their physical bodies. We pray for anyone who might be watching by way of the internet if they're sick. God, that you would touch them. We know there's several workers uh, that are not here tonight because they're sick in body. We pray for them 
right now, Father, let all sickness be gone. And we simply say, be healed in Jesus' name. We plead the blood of Christ over them. Their mind, spirit, and body be healed and be made whole in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.